Well, good morning. Great to see you all again on this Lord's Day. I think everybody should have a handout now, but if not, we've got plenty more up front here. So today, as we continue in the habits of grace, the practice of the spiritual disciplines. Is there a sign-in sheet too? Yes, Ailey yeah, will be getting I'll that passed wait, around. I'll wait to yeah. in case come. <laughs> Anybody else wandering in. But uh, today we're going to turn our attention to fasting, the spiritual discipline of fasting. But I didn't want to get away too far from prayer, just being how key it is. And the Lord's providence in my uh, Bible study um, that I've talked about multiple times that I've been going through this year from Charles Spurgeon, he had a few comments on prayer, but even though we're going to be talking about fasting today, as a matter of reminder, I wanted to put these comments before us just because I do think they are so good and so powerful. Spurgeon says this, prayer is the forerunner of mercy. Turn to sacred sacred history, and you will find that scarcely did ever a great mercy come to this world unheralded by supplication. You have found this true in your own personal experience. God has given you many an unsolicited favor, but still great prayer has always been the prelude of great mercy with you. When you first found peace through the blood of the cross, you had been praying much and earnestly interceding with God that he would remove the doubts and deliver you from your distress." Your assurance was the result of prayer. When at any time you have had high and rapturous joys, you have been obliged to look upon them as answers to your prayers. When you have had great deliverances out of sore troubles and mighty trouble in great dangers, you have been able to say, I sought the Lord, and He answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Prayer is always the preface to blessing. Powerful words. And I think if we think of our own lives, that is often the case. God uses our prayers, our supplications, not that he needs them, but he delights in them and it pleases him. And often great mercy, great joy comes from those prayers. So to that end, continue in your faithful practice, faithful discipline of prayer in the the coming weeks and months and, and throughout our lifetime. God is pleased to answer those prayers and he does it often with great joy uh, for us. So, to that end, let's open in prayer as we discuss fasting. Oh, Father, I do again just thank you for the opportunity to open your word and consider all of the ways that you are transforming us to be like Jesus. You have given us so many tools uh, because we need so many tools, Lord, because we are an imperfect and broken people. So as we consider the discipline of fasting this morning, uh, something that may not be as common for uh, the church or society today, just help us understand uh, what you mean to accomplish through this, ways you've given us uh, in order to draw us closer to to you and to be more like Jesus. In the name of Jesus, amen. All right, uh, so fasting today. I think we all obviously heard that term. We have a general idea uh, of fasting, but if you look at your notes, I want to start with a definition from Martin Lloyd-Jones of what fasting is. What is fasting? He said, is abstinence from anything which is legitimate in and of itself for the sake of some special spiritual purpose. So uh, a few key distinctives here of Christian fasting versus other fasting, because you may or might not know that uh, general health and wellness practice, fasting is becoming a real popular thing. Some people call it intermittent fasting, where you only eat during a day, during a small window, or you have extended periods of fasting for perhaps days or or multiple days anyways, um, for different health benefits. You know, Uh, there's different things out there, but it's becoming a fad right now to fast. 
That's not what we're talking about when we talk about the spiritual discipline, the habit of grace of spiritual fasting. And, and we're going to talk about exactly what that purpose is. But we are choosing uh, voluntarily to abstain from anything which, with, which is legitimate. That keyword there being legitimate. So uh, if you're a serial killer and you abstain from murder, that's not fasting, right? So something that's legitimate. So a legitimate thing that in and of itself is not a sin. All things have the potential to be sin, but in and of themselves is not a sin. Now, often we think of fasting strictly in fasting from food or abstaining from food. And that is the most common practice. And I do believe for those who are able, an important one, but it is not the only thing that you can practice. And that even that scripture presents as something that you can uh, um uh, abstain from. Uh, we see the example, obviously, of food. We see the example of a married couple fasting or abstaining from sex for a period of time so that they may grow in unity with each other and grow closer to Christ. So there are other examples of what, even in Scripture, people fast or abstain from. Uh, we'll use it interchangeably, fasting for food and for other things, but most of the time we're going to be talking about food. So do we have any people here uh, that have practiced fasting even once or multiple times through their lives? So I don't want don't even, you can just kind of think of this, uh, but you know, we don't need, this is not anything that we brag. In fact, we're called not to brag about how we fast and to make it just go on living your normal life as far as the outside world can see. But some people fast from food for one meal, multiple meals, sometimes multiple days. So uh, again, we're going to talk about all the implications of, of what of that uh, can be. But other than food, what are some other things that we may abstain for, uh, abstain from with a purpose, uh, with a spiritual purpose in mind? What are some common things maybe you guys have abstained from? People's social media. And, yeah. yeah, social media. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So Facebook, Instagram, all those things of perhaps for a spiritual purpose, I'm going to remove myself for a period of time. Hours, days, weeks, months, you know, yeah. Other things. TV. TV. Yeah. Yep. I was going to say, I, I did sports one year. Mm-hmm. Very, oh, watching any or okay. Very good. A whole year, huh? That's very good. That's impressive. Very good. Even abstaining from specific foods, like if you're too much coffee. You know, sure. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, this time of year, we obviously start hearing lots of people fasting or abstaining from things within the Roman Catholic Church, right? So for Lent, and then they go all the way to Easter, you may hear co-workers or other family members perhaps saying, oh, I'm abstaining from chocolate for Lent or, you know, variety of things that sometimes get thrown in. And you're like, okay, uh, as long as it has a spiritual purpose, I think we could get behind that and support that to a degree. Again, as long as it's legitimate. Um, and I think importantly, as we're going to highlight, for a spiritual purpose, right? And what is that spiritual purpose? What is the why behind why we fast? As a matter of review, it's the same why behind all of the spiritual disciplines, all the habits of grace that we practice. What is that why that we've hit every, uh, almost every week when we talk about why do we do these things? To know Lord and to become like Him, right? To know God better and to become more like Jesus, right? The goal is always Jesus. 
the why, our bullseye is always Jesus. God is using these things, these practices, Bible intake, prayer, meditation, and also fasting so that we may become more like Jesus. We know that Jesus fasted, okay? Uh, He calls us to fast, and as we're going to look at in a moment, actually expects us to fast as well. So the why behind, the spiritual purpose behind all of these are so that we can become more like Jesus. So if we're abstaining from chocolate or from other foods or things like that so that we can be healthier, well, that's a fine reason to do it, but that's not fasting. Fasting, spiritual fasting, is has a spiritual purpose, meaning I am intentionally going to do this in order to turn my heart more to Jesus in order to become more like Jesus. If you're abstaining from other things, again, that's not fasting. Not that those things are wrong. You can still do those things. But the intentional practice of, of, or the practice of fasting is intentionally for spiritual purposes to be like Jesus, abstaining from something. So that, that's what fasting is. But why is fasting important? Turn with me, if you would, to Matthew 6, uh, verses 16 and 17. Keep your finger close by. We'll turn just a couple pages over to uh, Matthew 9. Interesting that Jesus himself talks about fasting not in a command, but in an expectation. It's not even, it's something that he almost mentions in passing, being like, yes, that is expected. That is what you do. That is what a follower of God, someone who's pursuing a God, does. In Matthew 6, uh, 16 and 17, actually, no, 15 and 16, no, 14 and 15. I'm all over. Uh, oh, that, that's why it's off, because I'm in Matthew 9 already. So, all right, Matthew 6. Yes, 16 uh, through 18. And when you fast, notice he doesn't say, and if you fast. He says, and when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, and their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, Again, not if you fast, but when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So not only does Jesus express the expectation of fasting, he actually tells you how not to do it and then how to do it, right? So he's talking about the hypocrites, the Pharisees here, that they make their fasting a big ordeal, right? They may sit in the center of the city and make it known. They disfigure their face of, oh, look how hard this is for me. We looked even in prayer at the Pharisee and the tax collector, and the Pharisee's prayer was, I fast twice a week. You know, he's bragging openly in his prayer about his fasting, right? God doesn't call us to that. He actually says, no, clean yourself up. Anoint your head, wash your face, carry on with your normal business. There are things we do to to get the most out of our fast, but our fast is not for the public. Our fast is for our personal hearts and for our relationship with God as we're being transformed more into the image of Jesus. It is not so that others around us can be impressed that somehow we made it 24 hours or 48 hours or however long you go in a fast. It is to bring God glory, but Jesus expects it. And uh, we see again in uh, Matthew chapter 9, verses 14 and 15. 
Then the disciples of John came to him, Jesus, saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. So again, he doesn't say they may fast. He says they will fast. He's uh, challenging uh, Mark, or excuse me, Mark, um, the disciples of John and the Pharisees who have given him a hard time said they will fast when it is their time. Uh, so Jesus expects that we will fast. Why else is it important? Uh, I believe fasting is a physical reminder of what should be a spiritual reality. A physical reminder of what should be a spiritual reality. What is that spiritual reality I'm talking about? We should long for the return of Jesus or just Jesus in particular, but particularly that forward looking of, I want Jesus to come home. In our extremely blessed lives, even when we have uncomfortable things, uh, you know, we kind of live in 70 degree comfort year round here, right? We have our air conditioner, we have our heating, we have our Tempur-Pedic beds, we have, you know, all these different things that make us feel pretty good. While there are certain ailments and things that can challenge those things, I think you can easily make the case from uh, throughout history, we live more comfortably than anybody ever has. And so there can be a temptation to live within that comfort and lose that longing, that spiritual longing that should exist for Jesus' return. So what fasting can do, fasting can bring about that physical reminder. We can voluntarily bring, up, uh, bring upon us some level of discomfort that we may not otherwise feel. Think again of hunger pains when you're fasting from food. You get physically uncomfortable. I don't think, sadly that it is not the mark of many of us, or at least my own self, all of the time, that I have that same longing, that same churning in my stomach when it's hungry for Jesus as I do for food. And so when we intentionally say, I'm going to remove food or something else so that I feel physically uncomfortable, I can use that as a physical reminder of a spiritual reality, all right? I should long for Jesus, and this is a physical way for me to be reminded of that, of what that passion, that longing for Jesus's return should look like. I believe that is very important for us today. It was important in Jesus's day when they did not live in comfort, at least certainly not the modern comfort that we consider today. I think all the more important for us to practice that today when we do live in relative comfort. Uh, why else is it important? Would you be surprised, as I was, that fasting is actually mentioned more times in the Bible than baptism? More times in the Bible. Fasting is listed, I think they said, 77 times. Sorry, you can fact check me. I didn't actually count it, but this is what it is. 77 times. Baptisms mentioned 75 times. I don't think any of us will argue that baptism is an important thing for the believer to do. Well, fasting is mentioned even a couple times more than that. And we're not talking like five times compared to seven times. We're comparing 77 times compared to 75 times. So both are incredibly important. But Scripture puts a heavy weight on the importance of fasting. Uh, and and I, as I've said before through other things, with, with the importance of studying God's Word, is we need to prioritize the things that Scripture prioritizes. And if Scripture prioritizes fasting, then we should prioritize fasting.
So we're going to look through some of the purposes of what fasting can accomplish, and then we'll explore some tips uh, that uh, may be helpful for us to, to practice fasting uh, ourselves. So if I can get some help, I have a lot of references here. We're just going to pick one reference from each one of these different things. And since I have multiple listed, whoever takes that one, you can pick whichever reference uh, you want, want here. But would somebody be willing to take uh, the purpose for strengthening our prayer? Read one of those references. Thanks. Yeah, perfect. And then what about seeking God's guidance? Thank uh all right, Karen went first, and Gwendolyn, can you take the next one? Expressing grief? Um, sure. Okay, perfect. Uh, seeking deliverance or protection? Thank you, Susan. Expressing repentance and returning to God? Thank you, Deb. Uh, humbling oneself before God? Pastor Summers, thank you. Expressing concern for the work of God? Thank you, Dave. We've got uh, three more here. Ministering to the needs of others. Brandon, thank you. Overcoming temptation and dedicating yourself to God. This is a long one, so that's why nobody's hands are going up. I can take that one. <laughs> and then expressing love and worship to God. Thank you. Aileen. Oops. Okay, so uh, purposes of fasting. First, of uh, strengthening prayer. Strengthening prayer. Uh, <coughs> Lauren, you had that one, I think, right? Joel 2.13. Okay. And rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. Hmm. So this idea of rending your heart, right? So kind of submitting to God, humbling yourself before God, which as we've talked many times with prayer is humble dependence. Prayer is humble dependence, right? So with humble dependence through prayer, our prayers are actually strengthened. Again, I often go back because we have such contrasting prayers of the Pharisee and the tax collector. One prayed, one did not. What marked the difference of their prayer? Humility. One prayed praising themselves, the other prayed humbly, the tax collector. And what did Jesus say? He went home justified, redeemed. So, okay. I bet you meant to include verse 12. Perfect. Do verse 12. Yet even now declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your hearts and not your garments. It's amazing what one verse can uh, help clear that up even more. Yep, absolutely. So with our fasting, our prayers are strengthened, right? That, that rend, that humble heart, uh, fasting can strengthen our prayers. I think often uh, if, for those who uh, have practiced uh, uh, fasting and have used times of prayer when they're most uncomfortable, they can feel that closeness, that oneness with God. They're to some way... Um, you know, communing with him better because they are often in their weakness greater. Now, the hour I start a fast is not the same as 24 or 48 hours or however long you go. Towards the end of it, that's when you really start getting pretty beat down. And that's when oftentimes your prayers can be strengthened. 
Think of Jesus in the wilderness for 40 days, fasting from everything but water. Think how powerful his prayers were then. I am not recommending any of you try a 40-day fast, please. All right, let's consult with the doctor or me before we uh, approach something like that. But uh, Jesus is giving us a supernatural example of powerful fasting and strong prayers. Okay, what else uh, can uh, fasting help seek, uh, seeking God's guidance? Um, I have Acts 14, 23. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Hmm. So we have the uh, early apostles, and we have uh, Peter, Paul, Barnabas, so they're kind of going out, local churches, and they're appointing elders, right? And uh, it's calling them the apostles, as well as the local congregation through prayer and fasting in order to make that big decision, that big decision of appointing elders for the local church. We can fast. The bigger the decision, I think the more we should seek God in prayer and the more we can use all tools, all habits of grace at our disposal in order to help give us clarity and give us that wisdom. Fasting can be a powerful way to help us when we are trying to make a big decision. We can fast, and a lot of times God can use that uh, fasting in order to make things known, help us reveal what the right path forward is. We're going to talk about uh, individual fasting versus corporate fasting. Um, I can't remember. Uh, I know we've done it in the past, but uh, it's been many years since we have corporately, as a body of believers, practiced a fast for something, right? So corporately, sometimes that can happen as well. Corporately, whether it's uh, making decision on elders or praying for the country, or you know, you can plug in lots of different things that could that could uh, strengthen your prayers um, and help you as you seek God's guidance. And fasting can accomplish some of that. Expressing grief. Um, okay, Second Samuel 1, 11 and 12. Then David and all the men with him took hold of their clothes and tore them. They mourned and wept and fasted till evening for Saul and his son Jonathan and for the army of the Lord and the house of Israel because they had fallen by the sword. Yeah, so... Uh, uh, King Saul, his son Jonathan, um, and Israel had suffered a great defeat. And this imagery that uh, David and his men did is really the most common one I think of in the Old Testament. They rip their clothes. Sometimes they, uh, you know, they wear their they sackcloth and ash and things like that. And that is a little bit more of a bigger physical manifestation. But that is accompanied then with fasting. They fasted for those uh, that they loved, even though Saul had committed great sin. Uh, they still had great love for them, and in their grief, they pursued fasting. Fasting in order to, um, not just uh, in remembrance of them, but over brokenness of what has happened. So have you considered fasting when you uh, lose a loved one, when you're grieved perhaps over the diagnosis of uh, a loved one? I believe that can be a powerful way that humbly submits you to God, the practice of fasting. Seeking deliverance or protection. Second uh, Chronicles 23 and 4. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord and he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. 
Mm. So those seeking deliverance from protection, well, we have this here from Jehoshaphat. I also think back with Pastor Josh a, f- uh, a few weeks back uh, preaching from Jonah and the people of Nineveh. Their king proclaimed a fast throughout the land so that they could be delivered from this uh, fire and brimstone that Jonah, this message of uh, a punishment that Jonah was bringing to them. Um, can be very powerful for as we seek deliverance. Perhaps we're seeking deliverance from an enemy. Perhaps we're seeking deliverance and protection from a physical ailment. Right. So fasting, if medically appropriate, fasting from food could be a powerful way that we can uh, seek that deliverance from God. Expressing repentance and turning to God. First Samuel seven six. When they had assembled at Mizpah, they drew water and poured it out before the Lord. On that day they fasted, and there they confessed, We have sinned against the Lord. Now Samuel was serving as leader of Israel at Mizpah. Mm. So in the second reference, there was actually that one from Jonah. So, uh, yeah, so powerful, uh, again, imagery of being broken over your sin and that leading you to prayer and fasting. Fasting to have that, uh, again, physical manifestation of a spiritual reality. We're broken in our sin. We're hurting because of our sin. My body, I want my body to feel that same thing, not as a matter of penance, not as a matter of punishment. We're not doing these things because God is punishing us, right? But we want to feel the weight of our sin. And if we try and ignore it, if we try and just go on, if we try and live within our comfort, we may not have that spiritual reality. We may not evidence that spiritual reality within us. So in repentance and as we turn to God, fasting may be a way that we can express that, that we can feel the burden of our sin. Humbling oneself before God. Well, there are two. First is First Kings 21. <clears throat> So it was when Ahab heard these words, he tore his clothes, put sackcloth on his body, and fasted, and lay in sackcloth, and went about mourning. And word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, See how Ahab has humbled himself before me? Because he has humbled himself before me, I will not bring the calamity in his days. In the days of his son, I will bring the calamity on his house. And then from... Psalm 35, 13. As for me, when they were sick, my clothing was sackcloth. I humbled myself with fasting, and my prayer was returned to my own heart. Mm, Beautiful. So, yeah, we talk again about humble uh, prayer being that humble dependence on God. Well, how much more, perhaps even more powerfully, can fasting be, right? Recognizing that the spiritual food comes from God, and that's what we need. We, we don't live on bread alone. And so removing food, being uncomfortable, can be a very powerful way where we can humble ourselves before God. Uh, even the idea of, God, you sustain me more than this food does. Again, I continue to use the food example because that's one of the most common ones, and that is one of the ones, uh, while I don't want to downplay the importance of perhaps fasting from social media, uh, food probably is going to hurt most people, although my kids not included, uh, I would say that lacking from food 
will probably hurt us more than uh, than uh, like social media or, or, or other things. Okay, so if we can humble ourselves and Lord saying, even though I'm not eating right now, you are still sustaining me. It is not my body in and of itself that sustains me. Every breath I take is from you. Every beat of my heart is from you. And you are humbling yourself when you submit to God uh, through fasting. Expressing concern for the work of God. Dave, was that one you? Which one did I have you on? Maybe. <laughs> okay. It's all good. All right, Lauren will grab it there. So maybe I probably skipped over one. Sure. And they said to me, the remnant here, the remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire. As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days, and I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Mm. So Ezra and Nehemiah are written together. If you remember kind of the context of that, trying to rebuild uh, Jerusalem, the walls around Jerusalem, and the author broken of the work that wasn't happening and the things that weren't being accomplished and saying, God, I care about this. You have called your people to this. It's not happening in the way, and I'm broken, and I'm going to... Uh, bring that brokenness about, the physical manifestation of that brokenness, through fasting. Uh, ministering to the needs of others. Isaiah 58, 3-7. Why have we fasted and you see it not? Why have we humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it? Behold, in the day of your fast you seek your own pleasure and oppress all your workers. Behold, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to hit with a wicked fist. Fasting like yours this day will not make your voice be heard on high. Is such the fast I choose, a day for the person to humble himself? Is it to bow down like is it to bow down his head like a reed and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will you call this a fast and a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the fast I choose, to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see him naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? So good. This is a great reminder that fasting could be done wrongly. You could fast, and it could not be glorifying to God. It could actually be, um, um, God can actually oppose that. But in humility, as we fast, and we fast not for ourselves, but uh, to help us minister to the needs of others, that is what God can use, right? You can practice fasting wrongly. You can beat your body and be miserable for hours or days and not bring glory to God. God is very jealous uh, for His glory. 
overcoming temptation and dedicating yourself uh, to God. So let's look at uh, Jesus' example as he's coming out of a 40-day fast. So in Matthew 4, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. I would think so. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones and be, uh, to become loaves of bread. But he answered them, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you. And on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone." Jesus said to him again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to them, all these I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. We looked at this parable when we talked about uh, having scripture on our hearts, right? The importance of Bible intake, because then we can use that to fight temptation. Well, we can use fasting to help us overcome temptation and show our dedication to God. Again, we're not showing this in an effort to say, God, look at me, I'm so worthy of you. But in our humility, right, we are practicing these things. And even in a a fasted and weakened state, Jesus still was able to fight off the temptation by using God's word. Uh, Sometimes practicing fasting prepares us for future weakness. We may be healthy now. That is not guaranteed tomorrow. You may have plenty of food today. You may not have plenty of food tomorrow. If you can practice in some level of control for something that may happen later, you will be better prepared in order to, in this example, overcome temptation. Um, It was several years back that um, I did a fast one day a week for like five months. And that was one of the first times I was really getting into more regular type of fasting. And I, I'm not a big journaler, but trying to, again, be spiritual in this purpose, I would kind of journal some thoughts and things like that that I felt. And looking at that, I would often notice that as my hunger grew, my temptation grew to be shorter, to be quicker, to be angry, right? And this was challenging because uh, this isn't really a good tip for fasting, but I'd still desire to be with family. So I'd still sit at the dinner table with the family, uh, which is like just, you know, temptation right there, right? Is they're eating amazing food and I'm trying not to eat. Um, But as the night would go on, I would be getting more tired and I would be getting more hungry. My temptation oftentimes for anger would pop up pretty quick. So in a fasted state, I could identify that, practice that, hey, I'm not in a good physical state right now. Practice not being angry, being slower to anger, not being so snippy. And therefore, when I was eating, I was fed well, I could control it even better. So just something that I learned, at least during that process of how I responded to uh physical hunger. And that was a, uh, a powerful tool God used to help me overcome. Well, I shouldn't say overcome. Ailey's here. Not overcome uh, anger uh, and stippiness, but perhaps d- decrease it uh, to some degree uh, for the glory of God and through his spirit. Expressing love and worship to God. Luke 2, verse 37. And this woman was a widow about 84 years. 
who did not depart the temple, but served God with fasting and prayers night and day. Hmm. We're going to talk about private and corporate worship in in coming weeks, but fasting can actually be used to to help you worship God, particularly privately. Again, that can happen corporately as well, but privately you can in your fasting worship God. And I think for all of these reasons above, you know, our prayers, you know, are strengthened. We have greater guidance. We can be expressing grief. All of those things, that humble dependence, those are all acts of worship to God. So in our fasted, in our weakened state, we can express our love and worship to God. And I think oftentimes we can do it better when we are weakened than when we are comfortable. So being intentionally uncomfortable can help us worship God more. I'm not saying go sleep on a bed of nails tonight so that you can worship God more, but I do think introducing voluntarily some discomfort can help us glorify God more. Brandon. Just a curiosity. Mm-hmm. I have not studied this, but noticing in all the scriptures, these are all Old Testament or examples of Jesus or the early apostles. Mm -hmm. Is it not mentioned in any of Paul's letters? I didn't notice any references of of his letters to the churches mentioning fasting. I was just curious if that was something you came across. Yeah, I don't have them listed here. I'm trying to think off the top of my head, but uh, I'm pretty confident Paul has some reference, you know, in in prayer and fasting, but then I could just be uh, convoluting other passages and things like that. So I think in the Gospels we don't see it because of what Jesus specifically said is, is, hey, the bridegroom's here. We're not doing this right now, but you will do it in the future. So that's um, what made me wonder was like, yeah. There's no references here right. to the church about fasting, and is that related to that, or is it was it viewed by the apostles as a Jewish religious practice with benefit to the Christian, mm-hmm. but not something mm-hmm. that they were actively teaching in the church? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll search and see if I can find some. Is, that's good. The scripture references. That's right. We'll see if uh, you know this uh, next week. I'll see if I can find some newer Testament references that talk about that ongoing uh, practice of fasting. Absolutely. So, so let's talk about some uh, tips and tricks uh, to perhaps help in your fasting. I believe the top one is by far the most important, and again to highlight to have a purpose in your fasting, and again specifically, have a spiritual purpose. And even more specifically, have a purpose to help you grow to be more like Jesus in your fasting. So if you are going to fast from food, have the purpose of God using this to transform you. Perhaps even when we look at one of these oh, what, 10 or so, uh, 12 um, different purposes of fasting, maybe you seek one of those for your fasting. Maybe you have a big decision, a job or a move or something like that. And you're, you're like, you know what? I'm going to fast with the purpose of seeking God's guidance in this decision. Or maybe to humble yourself before God or... Uh, the elections coming up this year. You're not going to have any shortage of opportunities to express your concern for the work of God. Any of these, perhaps pick one of these out. You may come up with another one as well, but have a spiritual purpose with the goal of becoming more like Jesus uh, of that fast. Don't just say, I'm going to fast because Jesus told me to, right? Do it with a purpose, uh, start small. If you have never abstained from food for even a meal, don't plan a five-day fast. It likely will not go well for you. All right. 
if you have uh, um, medical conditions that uh, make um, complete ab uh, abstinence from food, maybe don't do, we're, we're going to talk about complete and incomplete here and, and things like that, but maybe you're just able to cut down a meal or space a meal apart a little bit more or, or something like that. But start small. If you haven't done this before, the first day you do it, it's pretty hard. You get past lunch and you're like, I'm starting to feel it. And then dinner comes. Day two, a lot of times uh, you can start to feel, oh, you wake up, you're kind of okay, but then it hits pretty quick and then it starts coming. A lot of times once you get day three, four, five, it's feels, it's just different, right? A lot of times you'll feel a weakness, but that kind of stomach hunger you get can go away. But don't feel like A, there's more spirituality in a longer fast, uh, or B, that you have to start with a longer one either. If you want to work your way up to something, for God's glory, and to be more like Jesus, that's fine, but start very small. Uh, plan what you'll do instead. As I kind of shared, you know, my funny story here, um, I tried to stay as busy as I could, right? So at work, when lunchtime was going, you know, I could do other things, right? I can stay moving. Those were the times the fasts were some level easier, which isn't always the purpose of a fast, but plan what you're going to do instead and, and try and make it not just staying busy doing menial stuff, try and do it so that you're doing spiritual stuff. I'm going to spend during what would be lunch and dinner time, time in the word or time in prayer uh, or time serving someone else. Don't just have it that you're going to just self-will your way through this by staying busy. To some degree, you're going to uh, not reap the full benefit of what it is. Um, and sometimes it will be times, you know, like for me that it's like, well, I'm still going to plan to be with my family during that dinner hour because that's a time that we have, you know, to, to connect on evenings. So uh, in a similar vein, think how that fast will affect others. Right. So you, uh, as we've kind of said, don't want to make a big deal of it. So if you have a dinner you're invited to, that's probably not the best time to be fasting. If you show up to that dinner and be like, no, 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 I'm fasting right now. So I'd become more like Jesus. Number one, you're kind of setting yourself out, but it's also to some degree rude to the person who's prepared for you and things like that. So find time in your schedule when you can take it, that it's not going to it's going to put off as few people as possible, right? Don't cancel a lunch meeting because you're in the middle of a fast. Don't schedule a fast if you've got a lunch meeting scheduled. So be flexible with your time and think how it will affect others. Uh, try different kinds of fasting. Uh, most of what we've been talking about is personal, but there is uh, this, this idea of corporate fasting as well. Perhaps in your life group, you want to talk about doing this as a life group, setting aside missing one meal if you haven't, uh, if, if, if people aren't used to it, or for a 24-hour period or something like that, so that corporately a group of believers can practice this together. Uh, as we've kind of talked about, partial and complete. Um, when we talk about food fasting, uh, there is really no reason to, for me to say, uh, I want you to completely fast of not putting anything in your mouth. You should still at least drink water. There's pretty significant and fast health effects if you don't drink water. Uh, I believe you'll get all of what God wants abstaining from food. You don't need to abstain from water. But even uh, you can abstain from some foods or you can abstain from some meals. It doesn't have to be a complete, I'm not going to put anything in my mouth during that time. So similar to like, you know, some people, I'm going to fast from my phone. 
you could completely do that. Put it in a, uh, a drawer for a week, or you could say, I'm going to limit screen time to 10 minutes just for the most essentials, you know, so that I, if there's an emergency, you know, again, we can be reasonable. We don't need to become legalistic in this of if I touch my phone, that completely ruins everything. You know your heart behind it. So you can do some partial things that still glorify God and help you to be more like Jesus. You could practice these regularly or occasionally. As I said, I did it once a week um, several years back for like five months. That was a regular one that I had kind of uh, scheduled out. Um, now I kind of do it more occasional. I will do it uh, for any of these purposes. You know, maybe there's something big I need to consider, um, uh, you know, or, or greet, you know, whatever it may be. So I will occasionally practice a fast. And same thing again, as we talked about short versus long. Whether that's food or other things, you can do it for a few hours. You can do it for uh, a few days, right? I think the uh, less risk that it has on our health, the longer we could do it. So you could abstain from phone or social media longer than five, six, seven days without obviously significant effects on your physical health. Although, again, you may still feel that, Um there needs to be wisdom in these things. Uh, wisdom in recognizing that a 40-day fast for most people is not healthy and realistic, okay? But even though it does hurt most people, again, there are medical conditions that make this not uh, possible for people. Most people can physically not have a problem with a 24-hour fast or even perhaps a little bit longer, Talk to your doctor if, you, if you're concerned that you may be in, in that group, that's fine. But I would say most people avoid fasting because they think there's health, negative health things. Uh, most people can tolerate it medically just fine. Uh, we've highlighted this one many times, fast from uh, something other than food. And then one of my favorite things that I use in the counseling room as well, don't think of white elephants. Right, So if you're constantly just focused on the fact that you're not eating food or that you're not looking at your phone or something like that, you're going to struggle more. Right, So if I tell you don't think about white elephants, what do you think about? You think about white elephants. If I tell you to think about zebras, what do you think about? We think about zebras. So to help you be successful in fasting, don't think about this amazing effort you're doing and how much this hurts. Uh, think about what the purpose of what you're trying to do, what you're trying to accomplish. Think about God. Drive yourself to his word. Drive yourself to your knees so that you can uh, spend more time in prayer. Don't think about what you're not doing. Think about what you are doing, right? You're Growing, growing closer to God. You're humbling yourself before God. You're expressing repentance and uh, symbolizing your return to God. So don't think about the put off. Think about the put on. And again, not in an effort to make it easier, but to help you be successful and so that God can fully accomplish what he wants in and through a fast. And I actually got through everything in a reasonable amount of time today. So any questions about fasting? Any other thoughts on fasting or tips or tricks for those of you that have practiced fasting uh, successfully? I know from reading, uh, I've got several books on fasting. They don't recommend it for women who are expecting. Mm -hmm. And I know that there is a problem too with people who are in some medications say don't take on an empty stomach or whatever. That's right. So 
there are some other things that they play into mm -hmm. it. I, I just with a question about further things in the Gospels and in the epistles. Uh, I looked up First uh, Corinthians seven, which you had mentioned about fasting from. Uh, oh, yes, yes. And that calls that fasting. It uses the word in it. Mm -hmm. And there's also a thing in uh, 2 Corinthians 6 where <clears throat> Paul gives his testimony of how he had struggled for the Lord um, in stripes, imprisonments, and tumults, and labors, and sleeplessness, and by fasting, by purity, by knowledge, by long suffering, by kindness. Um, so it it was a part of his. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, thank you. Perfect. We have our own research department right in the back corner. So that's very good. So, yeah, absolutely. So I'm not going to sign fasting as a homework this week, but if the Lord stirs you, uh, I just really recommend you wrestle with that. If it's appropriate for you, uh, consider doing that in the coming uh, weeks and use all these tips and tricks we have to help you be successful, to grow, to be more like Christ. Uh, fasting can be a powerful way that God can use to accomplish that. Let's pray. Oh, Father, uh, we do again uh, just thank you for your word, uh, for the practices that you lay out uh, that can help transform us more to be like Jesus. Father, we recognize we fail at that often, uh, but we know that your uh, grace abounds all the more still. So bless us as we go and continue to bless us uh, through this week. In your name we pray. Amen.